0: Hey guys, I'm Jen, owner of Hello June Creative.
1: And I'm Esther, owner of Seraph Design. Welcome to Better the Brand Designer Podcast.
0: We love being transparent, honest, and down to earth on this podcast. We consider you guys such an important
1: part of our episodes. We're all about broadcasting conversations that support our design community, uncovering industry secrets, and offering actionable advice. Just remember, the only designer you need to be better than is the one you were yesterday.
0: Hey guys, welcome back to Better the Brand Designer podcast. I hope you're having an amazing Tuesday. Me and Esther are having an awesome Tuesday because we record the podcast and also a new podcast comes out on every Tuesday. So really excited about Tuesdays. Before we jump into our intro question, we wanted to remind everybody that our $10 patrons get to have an exclusive little chit chat with me and Esther at the end of every episode through Patreon. And today we're talking about something kind of juicy. We're going to talk a little bit about paying yourself, salary, LLC versus sole proprietorship, just some questions that I feel like I was really foggy on up until very recently and something that I think you know is going to be – I'm just curious about how Esther does things too.
1: Yeah, I'm so excited about it because I feel like this is something – I messaged Jen and I was like, we need to talk about this because honestly, I'm in this place right now where I don't pay myself yet. I just leave it in my bank account and we'll get into all of it, but I'm excited to talk about it. So yes, sign up to be a $10 patron if you're not already so you can hear our juicy topic.
0: I know we have like a little super secret show after the show. So you guys definitely want to join. But yeah, okay. Intro question time. Esther, what is your most embarrassing moment in business?
1: So I feel like I have a couple, but my number one most embarrassing moment was when I called a client a different client's name. I'm not sure if I shared this before, but I just feel like the clients okay, I'll give myself a little bit of credit. First of all, they referred one referred the other and their names start with the same like two syllables and then the end is different. So it's like oh. sort of similar and I think that I also like used one person's name in an email as well and i remember on a call being like oh my gosh i'm so sorry and they were like it's okay <laughs> kind of awkward but i felt like uh i should have known it's almost like if you're dating two people and you accidentally call somebody I'm like
0: oh. i know it's like funny i i always struggle with like how much to reveal to current clients about the other client projects that i'm taking on and i definitely opt for like nothing because of client confidentiality. But also I work with a lot of clients in similar industries in like literally similar locations because I feel like the whole of like Central Texas interior designers like came out of the woodwork and like inquired with me. When you
1: get to one, you get to everybody else.
0: I know. Yeah. And then they all refer each other and it's like this wonderful like referral train. They're all such wonderful people. But I don't know. I've never had anyone like be upset that I like work with another like interior designer and there's no way that I could ever like sign like an exclusivity thing, I guess but it's like I've had clients like be like oh my gosh you worked with so-and-so like I know them from working with them at this other agency and it's like oh wow like I hope they told you good things like
1: (laughs) have you ever uh, worked with a client and you because they're in the same industry you've been like oh yeah remember when I told you about or blah 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 like when I was talking about this part of your project and then they're like uh no because I've done that before too where I'm like, oh shoot, that was a different project.
0: Yeah, yeah, where you're like, okay, yeah, like in our in this call, I, never, I remember we discussed something about your FAQ dropdown. And they're like, oh, we haven't talked about that yet. And it's like, wait.
1: Yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm
0: like, oh, uh, oops. Awkward. I kind of just play it off, but I'm sure it happens to everyone.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm curious for designers who have like a niche like you where you work with a lot of interior designers, like maybe some people that's photographers or if it's like the food industry, if that happens a lot because I tend to not work with so many of the same clients or the same industry. And so it shouldn't in theory happen, but it does sometimes when I do have a little bit of overlap.
0: Yeah. So it is like kind of a dangerous game because if you get like one client that just like is really unhappy for whatever reason, then like you kind of have to take a break from that industry for a little bit because I feel like I mean, at least in design and brand identity, I always say, like, I feel like it's kind of a small world. Like, I feel like I'm familiar with a lot of people who do what we do. I think it's similar for at least the type of clientele that I'm attracting, just like luxury, like turnkey, full service type, creative experiences and services. So interior design, art, artwork, you know, that type of thing. So yeah, we should talk about this in the Facebook group because I'm actually curious, guys, if this has ever happened to you before or DM us. So I want to share my answer, which is very similar to Esther's, is that like I misspelled a client's name and I also misspelled their business partner's name in the same email. Oh no. And then I did it again in the next email right after I had just apologized for misspelling it in the first email. Oh my gosh,
1: that's (laughs) embarrassing. You're like,
0: literally double whammy. Like (laughs) it was an uncommon spelling of a common name. And I just felt so bad. They were so nice about it because I feel like when people have uncommon spellings of their names, they're really used to their name being the misspelled, but I am – I don't know. I just like – it just makes me nervous and anxious and I don't like it.
1: I feel like they are always nice about it because, yeah, like you're used to it, but at the same time, it's not – I think – because I, I don't feel like my name is that uncommon, but people often spell it without no. an H and I'm like, ugh. Really? Like, it's E-S-T-R? kind of annoying. Yeah. i
0: literally, I would never think that. I don't know.
1: <laughs> well, I feel like that's because it's in the Bible and it's like a common for us. Uh... But then, like, people who aren't religious at all or like have just no idea the name Esther, then they're like, oh, that I'm just going to pronounce it how it sounds.
0: I guess that makes sense.
1: Funny story um, my
0: husband literally asked me how to spell my first name the other day. What? Yes. <laughs> we have been married for six years. We are going to be celebrating, celebrating our six-year wedding anniversary this year. We have an almost two-year-old child. We've been high school sweethearts for ten plus years. Yeah, I <laughs> feel like you should. Yes, know. we had to spell my first name. He's like, I can never remember if there's one N or two N's. i was like Jennifer has two N's. There's like- <laughs> not really any
1: Jennifer that I've known that has one N in their name.
0: No. And he all he asks about Fs too. I'm like, there's one F. There has always been one F. There always will be one F. I like don't if he understand. really <laughs> needed
1: to know, maybe just Google Jennifer. And I know.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I have heard of Jennifer's and like I respect y'all but I do not understand that have just one end. So, I don't it, know. Don't We're getting to, off topic.
1: <laughs> you don't have to respect them, respect their parents cuz that's who put I, them through uh, it.
0: <laughs> I know. Oh gosh, but anyways, all right. Well, let's jump into our conversation. So today's topic, uh, we're really excited about this one. I know I say that about every topic, but we're just really good at picking topics, guys. We're excited about everything. (laughs) We are just excited and high on life right now. So Esther went to design school. I went to journalism school. And I feel like a question that we get asked often is, should I go to school for this? Or I don't have a degree. Does this make me less of an expert? Does this mean I have to charge less? Does this mean that clients won't want to hire me? And so I thought it would be fun for us to kind of talk about like post high school degrees. Um, Neither of us have a graduate degree. Um, People have asked about like, oh, should I go to like a graduate program or whatever? Everything, of course, should be taken with a grain of salt. If you want to go and get a degree in whatever you want just for your own self and because you think it'll make you a better designer and because you, you just want to, then we fully support that. But there was a lot. I feel like that I did not learn, especially about business from my degree in journalism, um, and and about design too. I mean, obviously, I didn't go to school for design. I'm mainly curious, Esther, to hear kind of your experience because, like, I halfway through college, I was like, oh, I thought about transferring and going to a design program because I realized halfway through that I didn't actually like the content creation and the writing side of journalism. Mm-hmm. I actually liked the design and the like, like information design and editorial design, which is what I went to after college. I was like, do I need to, like, switch gears? But, like, I just want to know, like, what type of classes did you take before we even, like, dive into this stuff? Because I'm so curious.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's super interesting. Like, coming out of it, I feel like I saw this thing that was, like, 2017 was how many years ago now? Like, Like 10. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And that's when I graduated. Five. I didn't go to typical design school. I went to advertising, a school for advertising with a focus in art direction and design. So I had like the focus in it, but it is maybe a little bit of a bridge between design school and journalism because the school of advertising was within the journalism school, but it was still very separate. But some of the classes that we took were, I mean, I had the basics of like how to use some of the design programs I had the basics of like design principles and using white space and how to structure elements and typography and things like that but I would say that almost all of my classes were never very in-depth like they gave you kind of the basics of everything and the mastery of none of them And it was more so to just kind of like to push you along into some sort of field, but I don't think they ever really guided you anywhere. It was just like, here's some tools to use and do with them as you will. What I did learn more was within the advertising school when I would get into art direction classes, they taught a lot about strategy, we had a creative strategy course, we had a brand strategy course, we had copywriting and media planning and figuring out how all of those melted together. And I really did love learning that aspect because I learned a lot about like, asking the right questions and figuring out what the why is and coming up with ideas that are like so out of the box. But those were not necessarily like design heavy courses, they were just like thinking courses which actually really did help me to where I am today because I learned how to ask those questions. I learned how to like really dig into it. But in terms of like the design aspect, I don't think I learned as much as I needed to. We learned maybe some color theory and some like just the basics, which are, they are useful, but I definitely would say that I learned so much more just actually working.
0: Yeah. I think I definitely agree with you. And It's so funny that you say that the advertising school was within the journalism school because when you're talking about like being curious, asking questions, digging deeper, journalism school, you know? So I feel like I definitely got that education from a different perspective, from like a content creation perspective, but also like a connection and like storytelling perspective. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like we have this like list here, like what did we learn in school that we use in our businesses? Probably the top thing for me and I'll venture to say Esther too was- the curiosity and the strategy behind why you make certain design or copy or creative direction decisions. Yes. I feel like that was really, really valuable.
1: Yeah. I feel like it always was that being curious, which I think that is kind of the, I would like to say in everything for going to university is like trying to be curious about the world, whether you're in business school or if you're a journalism major, or if you're even in like, the sciences, I feel like it's always about being curious and trying to solve problems for the world. And that's something that I take away and I really do appreciate from schools. Like, How do you solve problems creatively? How do you look at the world and see what needs to be changed and then do it through the lens of journalism, content creation, art direction, design, all of the things that you can then graduate and go on to do? Yeah.
0: So I did take – a design class um it was more on the like editorial side um of like page layout we did i did learn a lot of really interesting things about like eye tracking on a page which i venture mm-hmm. to believe is similar for web where someone's eye will start in the upper left hand corner of the page and they'll read to the right and they'll go it's just like the way you read a book yeah. you start on the left and then you read to the right and it kind of is this big z and so we would have to draw these like z's on our like printouts of our designs and you would have to make sure that like like that's why like the drop cap is typically on the left hand side of the page where like your eye will yeah. start in the article and like we'll go through it was kind of like of course I mean I was in school I graduated high school in 2012 and I graduated college in 2015 I was class of 16 but I had a bunch of credits so I was able to to graduate a, a year early but like I feel like at that time, like I feel like at least journalism was moving away from like long form like The Atlantic, like a New York Times magazine. And it was like, I feel like people were getting more comfortable with exploring like piecemeal stories where like it was little bites of content. And I found that. Which is that now really, what everything really, is. Which is now what everything is, because like people's attention spans, and my myself included, are absolute crap. But like I really was inspired by by those like little bitsy pieces of like content, like how can we lay this out in a way that makes sense and is strategic and Mm -hmm. takes into account some of those things that I learned from that particular class. Um, And I actually, when I went on to work at Women's Health Magazine as their junior designer, I was doing the front of book pages, like we call FOB front of book, where it's like the little like, PC like stories where it's like oh here's like little like bite-sized facts or fun facts or whatever and so like those pages are actually some of the most challenging to design I feel like so I love designing them because it was really like intricate Mm -hmm. like I'll have to like unearth some of my old designs for you guys oh we should do that for sure because like I mean it's not like my greatest work ever. But like, as far as being able to fit a lot of content on the page, it was always like the editors versus the design team. Cause we were like, there's no room, there's no room. You need to cut your copy. They're like, no, make it fit. You know? So like, yeah, I feel like a lot of our pages were very much like that. And I, I do think that like, that reminds me of another thing that I learned in journalism school is that like, we had like character limits on, on the stories that we were assigned a lot of them were 300 or word limits, 300 words or 500 words. And we would have to like write a whole article in like three or 500 words. That was so challenging. I remember being like, like, I don't know, you guys remember in high school where it's like, oh, you have to write a 10 page paper. It has to be double space and you can't change the margins and you have to use times through Romans yeah. size 12. And you're like just writing just to like fill the space. And so now you, you have could to like cut it, it long down. Enough. And now like, I was like, oh, 300 words, easy. That's like three paragraphs. And it's like, wait, okay, this is actually really, really challenging. And so because my studio does offer copywriting services, I am kind of putting on my editor hat a lot of the time and really condensing copy down because I do have very much of a philosophy of like website copy being as efficient and simple and minimal as possible, very similar to my design. So I feel like that was something that was helpful. But yeah,
1: I had one other thing that I did (laughs) learn that I feel like kind of in a way relates because we were advertising focused. So much of the content that we were creating in classes was like bus stop ads, like out of home ads and trying to come up with copy and visuals that would capture on like a quick, like you're driving by. And so it was oh, always- Oh, like
0: you're on the, oh, that's so funny. I didn't even think about yeah, that. So
1: like anytime we were writing headlines, would be like short, quick to read. And then there was hardly like much body copy unless you're doing a magazine spread and then you would have a little bit more copy- And then always a call to action and some type of imagery that is outside of the box. That was the big thing is like doing something that was outside of the box. And then also, I feel like when it came to digital ads, like you also have those banners. That's what I did a lot of when I first started at my first advertising job as a junior designer was like these tiny little digital banners that you have to fit a headline And an image and a call to action, and how do you fix all of those to fit in? I feel like that was the start of my kind of knowing what to put on a website header or what to put on like any type of website copy and rearranging the hierarchy to make sure what's most important gets seen first and that you also have that call to action super clear. And then another thing that I remember from one of my professors was he had us for one project, write a hundred lines, a hundred headlines for the same concept and had a hundred different visual ideas for the same concept too. And I don't do that anymore. We can talk about the one concept method, the three concept method, but I don't do a hundred anymore. But that exercise itself helped me realize there are so many different ways we can go about this. And his task after you write a hundred is like, all right, throw like 90 of them away and then throw another five away and then you have like your three that you stick with and it's really interesting to go through that whole like how do you get to the place that you need to be I would like to say that now I've spent thousands of hours like honing that skill set to know that I don't have to do 100 anymore but I've got it down in like one two or three but it was really interesting I feel like I was kind of needed that middle ground to push me into where I am now.
0: Yeah. And it's funny how some design projects you end up creating and exploring more directions than other ones where you're like, I know this is the one. You know, I I was actually messaging Esther earlier today and just like getting a quick gut check on what illustration that she liked for a current client project. And that one really kind of came together pretty quickly. We did a lot of like typeface research and the client had a lot of buy-in in the beginning as far as like the typeface direction. So I feel pretty good about it. But I feel like now like hearing about that hundred concept like exercise, I really love that because I might think about a hundred directions. Like I feel like a lot of my creative process happens intuitively now rather than me having to be in my artboard all the time. Like I can just be in the shower and be like, okay, I wonder if I put this image like this. Like, yeah, I, if I do I that this, too. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. And so it's like, we're still kind of exploring that number, but like Exploration, quote unquote, doesn't necessarily have to be
1: like in the artboards. Yes, exactly. I mean, sometimes I do it while I'm falling asleep. Sometimes it actually helps me fall asleep, you guys. Tip.
0: <laughs> I literally do that too. I didn't I thought I was the only one to do no, that. No, you're not the
1: only one. It's a good way I'm to like, try and fall asleep. Why am
0: I thinking about work right now? And I'm like having all this like shame come up. I'm like, wait, I actually love my job. <laughs> it's like soothing. Sometimes I'm
1: like, oh my gosh, just get to sleep. And other times I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to get up right now because I have a great idea. <laughs>
0: Oh yeah, like I, I definitely should have like a sketchbook beside my bed. Yeah, that's actually a good
1: idea. Another thing that I wanted to say that I feel like was huge for me and Jen, I know you've talked about this before, is learning how to network and learning how to connect with so many people. When I was in, I went to the University of Oregon as a junior and senior. You have an opportunity to go on an ad trip to New York City, and they take you to so many different ad agencies. We, we meet did people. that too. Oh my gosh, of we course. We did that too. I, feel like <laughs> I wonder
0: if we were there at the same time. That would be like total fate. <laughs> I know, that would be insane.
1: Probably not. I feel like they probably make sure that all the schools get staggered and, you know. Yeah,
0: I went to like Google. We went to BuzzFeed. Yeah, Z, same. Like, you know, yeah. And then
1: we we went to like a lot of like niche ad agencies, which was really fun. I feel like we got to meet so many people and they did like creative briefs with us, split us into groups and things like that. But a lot of those people that I met, I still stay in contact with, even if it's just like LinkedIn or like some of them I have emails of and you exchange contact information. And it's just good to be in on this little world because it can often feel so big. And I think Jen can attest to this as well. Like right now, even this podcast is building our own little community and networking with each other. I mean, we've introduce each other to different people who have different skill sets. And you get to meet people who are not just designers, but also copywriters or video editors or animators. And it's really important to have that network and to not burn bridges because it's so important to the vitality of your business.
0: Yeah, 100%. I think I remember in college people were talking about like, oh, this is how to do networking. Here's like you got to like send an email and like don't always just talk to them when you need something and I'm like this is so weird. Like, I mean, everyone knows that like we're playing this game, but like I feel like LinkedIn is really helpful with that. Um people's birthdays. If you have a Facebook account, um but yeah, I, I definitely wrote down that like networking and just being exposed to people and companies that I wouldn't have been exposed to otherwise is incredibly valuable, especially when starting a business. So I feel like, I mean, I don't want this whole episode to sound like we're like knocking school, like, oh, we didn't learn that much in school. Like, we no, like I'm so lot. grateful for like my experience at, at Northwestern and like my experience in the design or in, in the journalism school. But like, uh, yeah, that network was really, really key. Um, and it helped me eventually like get my first internship at Cosmo and then eventually get um, another internship at Women's Health and then go on to work there.
1: Yeah. I also want to say like not everybody has the opportunity to go to college. And I feel yeah. grateful that I did because I think it got me to where I needed to be a little bit faster. But I think that even if you aren't able to, there are still so many ways, especially now in this digital age, to learn everything that you need to. Quite frankly, online, like there yeah. are designers that I've met online who are self-made designers who have just like soaked up these courses and have just tried their hand at everything, and they are doing amazing work. Carly Anna is one of those people that we interviewed, and uh, there's there's a lot of them. So I don't think that you have to go to school to learn everything. But Jen and I did, and we are grateful for that opportunity to have been able to network. I mean, I got my first job at one of those networking opportunities and that brought me to Chicago. So I'm grateful for it. And I'm grateful for the journey that it's brought me on. And now I work for myself. So uh, if you start working for yourself right off the bat, honestly, I'm jealous of you too, because you have a little bit more years.
0: Yeah, I think that there's so many like positives that come out. I mean, positives and negatives for both ways. You could like write a really long pros and cons list about choosing to go to college. Obviously, cost is a really big part of that. But there are so many just experiences and opportunities that I got to have through my time at like a typical like four-year undergrad that I wouldn't have had otherwise. Do I want to get a master's? Not really. I don't feel like I need any higher education at least to – Inform the type of work that I'm doing right now. If I ever decided that I wanted to like go and get like a coaching degree or something, like I would probably like just check out some sort of like really like faster certification. Like I just, I don't even feel like I want to do a couple years or anything. Like, There are, of course, professions where, like, you have to do that, like, you know, medical field and law and stuff like that. But we're kind of lucky where, like, our industry, like, no one has ever
1: asked for my degree or, like, my GPA. Oh, my gosh. Nobody cares cares anymore. (laughs) It's almost after you have your first – you have the degree, then it's, like, it doesn't matter what it was. And I would venture to say that if I had to do it again, I probably wouldn't. But I also know that that comes from a place of privilege of already having gone. And yeah, like hindsight
0: bias a little bit. Yeah. yeah. I feel that though. I feel that you're like, oh well, like I could have just like saved so much money or like saved my parents money or whatever yeah. and like taken a bunch of courses and but at the same but time would I like, have
1: like would I have gotten to where I am? I don't know.
0: Yeah, that's what I think about. I honestly don't think that I I would be where I am. I feel like there's like a just a level of like self confidence and worldliness that I feel like I got mm-hmm. from college because I did also just take a ton of classes and other things. Like I really love romantic English poetry from that era. It's such like a random thing. Like I love Shakespeare. I took a class on Shakespeare. Like, like I loved English in high school. And so I took a ton of English classes and I feel like, I don't know, there's the creative side of my brain, I guess, like journalism, writing, like it kind of all makes sense, but just being able to take like random stuff like that. Economics, I could have done without, not going to lie. Yeah. Skated by with like a C in that class. Yeah. I was going to say, I'll
1: be vulnerable and saying that like, I'm pretty sure I passed no past economics because I was about to fail it.
0: I literally cried in my professor's office hours like once a week. And I think that's the only reason that I got a C. I think he took pity on me, honestly. Yeah.
1: I did learn, like you said, it's always the classes that you're not that you don't necessarily need to take. Like I ge- took a geology class and I loved that. That's so cool. An astronomy took an class. That's an art history class. Yes, like I was going to say like art I... history too. Like yeah, it was fun to get to see some creative aspects that weren't design that, yeah, made me a little bit more well-rounded. I also did take a CSS and HTML class, which helped me. Um, I never thought that I would actually go into any type of web design but here we are. So it was yeah. useful. I literally took it cause I was like, Oh, I just think like, maybe this could be helpful at some point. Um, or just like, I don't know what else to take, like CSS 101. So I did take that and I'm really glad I didn't learn any of the basics of like actual web design. It was more just like, here's what you do to turn a background blue. And here's what you do to like move one thing to the right and give it padding. But at the same time, it helped me like introduce to the language. And now yeah. when I did start taking uh, Rachel's course, I was like, oh, I already know this. Like I know the basics. <laughs> it's not like as hard, but it didn't teach me as much as I wish that I had.
0: Yeah, I feel like you need to go to, like, a coding boot camp or something to really get, to like, the in-depth level, especially once you get past HTML and CSS and start getting to JS and, like, oh Ruby gosh. and some of those other, like, programming language- languages. My best friend is actually finishing up a boot camp right now um, all online, and she's doing software development, which is seriously so cool, like,
1: app, yeah. like, web app and stuff. That's like, what my Click brother up. is doing. Yeah. Like, my brother That's is cool. – he's in university right now, and he's studying software development, and he's also studying – fintech and he's a genius wow he's gonna make so much money he's gonna oh be so my gosh, rich i know i'm to stay in good good standing with him but i had asked him one day when i was super frustrated with squarespace i was like can i pay you to help me do this and he was like esther i don't do that like i do way more intense stuff and i was like okay he was not like, this like little css yeah, he was like i know how to do python and i was like i don't even know oh. what that is Well, I know the name, but I don't know what you need it for. (laughs) So I was like, all right, never mind. I'll just like cry by myself. But (laughs) (laughs) let's talk about the things you didn't, because I feel like we're already venturing into that a little bit. I
0: know. I know. It's so funny. Like my very first bullet that I have written down here is like, I did not learn brand or web design. I put LOL.
1: (laughs) Which is Um, so true. Like I didn't either, although I learned some of the like like I said, at the very beginning, I learned like the basics of everything and learned actually nothing. Yeah.
0: It's like, I feel like everything that I learned supported me learning the like actual brand design to this day. I'm actually kind of shocked to be able to say this. I have never taken like a brand design course. Like I've never, Mm -hmm. like I've taken like business course, like business brand design. Like I talk about branding with Brie all the time, like love Mm -hmm. it. But, and I've taken tons of business courses, but like The branding just really felt so intuitive to me where I'm like, yeah, okay, brief to branding, like strategy to branding. It makes total sense. Like I'm able to bridge the gap really well from the words and the strategy write-up and the brief or whatever you want to call it to the actual visuals. And I feel super, super confident about that. On the web design side, I did take a course in Squarespace in the very beginning, which is what got me into web design in 2019. I took the I Love Creatives, I think it's just called Square online Squarespace course. I'm not sure if they're still offering it or if she's doing more video stuff now, but that was amazing. I feel like it's very similar to what Rach is doing now with Square Stylist. Um or wait, what's her course called? Yeah, it's called Square Stylist. Stand out Standout SquareSpace. Oh yeah, yeah. Standout Squarespace. Her business is Square Stylist. Yeah. yeah. So I did take that course. And so I didn't really learn as much of the design as it was the implementation and the development. So it's funny. I'm like, I feel sometimes like I'm still flying by the seat of my pants, but like, I also feel like incredibly confident in my skills. And I feel like that confidence has just honestly been built up over just years mm-hmm. of experience working with clients and like doing really well on, on projects. So I didn't always feel that way, but it's just funny. That's like, I actually didn't learn any of this
1: <laughs> in college. <laughs> I feel like you learn all of that. Like Yeah, by the projects that you do and just through working and through like figuring out what your own process is. I think that somehow, some way, most of us have ended up in a similar process, but it's still very different. And it's because well, I've never taken a brand design course either. I learned it from when I was working at McGarry Bowen and doing brand design under my creative director. And so she taught me so much of it just by throwing me in the fire. But I wasn't like, Sat down and was like, Here's what you need to do for brand design. She was like, Here, go make like a mock up and do a whole thing for yourself. And then,
0: for anyone out there who watches The Office, there's this like episode where the boss, I think it was Charles Minor, gives Jim an assignment. And he's like, uh, I need you to make a rundown of all of our clients. He's like, Yep, I'll do get that to you in a couple hours. And Jim has no idea what a rundown is. I feel like, and he like, procrastinates all day long until it's way too late to ask for more specific instructions about what the rundown is. And he's like, yep, I'll get that rundown to you right away. Yep, working on the rundown right now. He has <laughs> no idea what's going on. I feel like the way that both Esther and I, and I'm sure a lot of people listening, kind of dove in where was where we either started taking on clients and just like trial by fire or yeah. you were in co- the corporate world and you really just had to like learn it by like being in it it's like learning a language you kind of just have to like throw yourself yeah. in and then like you'll just start picking it up and you'll start figuring out ways that work
1: for you this is exactly what happened to me with like contracts and invoicing i oh, yes <laughs> i have no i never took any type of course they don't teach you this in high school or in college or anything but I had my first, this is when I was just freelancing on the side while still working corporate. I had my first client and I was like, ah, I put my, like, I think I put my contract and my invoices together in InDesign, and just sent it to them as a PDF and was like, sign this. And like, terrible. Same. It's not, I, I don't even really want to look back at it because it's probably just so full of errors and lots of things. But like, I just did it because you needed to do it at some time. And now I have much better systems in place, but you're you're not taught like that. Or even That was a huge
0: thing uh, that I did not learn in school is about like the business side. And like we have like a whole – we'll have to include a whole list of our favorite business like courses and programs and everything because it would just take so much time to go through all of them. But like I did not literally learn anything about that. And I'm actually curious to this day if people have a business degree –
1: do they learn the type of things that I, like, wish I would have known? I think known? so. That's what I was going to say is I feel like I wish I took a business – like, at least one business class, you know, like – Like think an entrepreneurship
0: that... class because they had those. Yeah. And I was like, ah, it's fine. I'm going to be working for my to, whole life.
1: <laughs> because my husband, he's an accountant now, but he took business as one of his degrees and he took math as one of his other degrees. So in the business aspect, he learned all about, like, profitability, sales, uh. P&Ls and all of those things and he like guides me through it now but I never learned any of that so I think that there is some sort of course that you could take but a lot of it is just kind of like being thrown into it and figuring out like How much do I need to charge?
0: Yeah, and just making a mistake every single time. Like I feel like that's how my what my pricing journey was like too. Where I just like I just like picked a random number. Yeah, and then I was like, all right, this feels good, I guess. Like yeah, and I was like, oh gosh, I think the first ever invoice. This was back when I was like interning. I had a paid internship at like a um, it was like a branding agency um, in in Evanston where where Northwestern is my first invoice, I was so afraid to like put the number on it, like the actual number that they owed me that I just left it off the invoice. Are you serious? I, like, yeah. I was like so nervous. And so like, I just, I gave it to like the owner or whatever. And he's like, there's no number on this. And I was like, Oh, I must've forgotten it. Oh my <laughs> I like, honestly didn't know like what I was supposed to do. I was just this <laughs> little college student. Like I, uh, I have really grown in confidence since then, but like, Oh, for Yeah. Sure. I didn't know anything about like pricing. I mean, I'd only ever worked for like 12 bucks an hour at like my local like clothing store or whatever, you know? Yeah. I
1: feel like for me with pricing, it was also kind of that trial and error. Like I remember uh, probably my first project was like $200 and I felt like, oh my gosh, that's so much money. They're not going to pay that. And then I slowly like, I remember the next project, I was like $500 and it was like, ah, should I say a thousand? And I said a thousand. And then from there I was like, a thousand two hundred, a thousand three hundred, a thousand four hundred. Yeah, and I too. was scared each time. And yeah. then that's when I took Morgan's course and I was like, oh shit, I am charging way too low. <laughs> but you don't know.
0: You don't. And you have to be surrounded by people who expand the realm of what you think is possible. So, like, let us and let our group be that for you because I feel like one on certain threads and like Facebook groups, people will be like, Can I ask like what you guys charge for this? And then some people would be like, I charge $3,000, I charge 5000 I charge 10000 Be like, Well, you charge $10,000 for that? Like, I didn't know I could charge $10,000 for a website. Mm-hmm. Let us be the ones to tell you that you can charge $10,000 for a website because yes. we have both done it. Um, and it's, it's definitely like you have to work on your sales skills you have to work on being able to price value based pricing was really huge um so we have an episode with Morgan Rapp back in season 3 that um talks all about that so go back and listen to that one but i i literally was completely unprepared for pricing when i when i started my business and it really was a very intuitive like Step by step type of thing, and that's kind of like what I coach my one to one students of. Like, hey, do you want to get to ten thousand? You don't have to say ten thousand on a call tomorrow. How about you just say five hundred dollars more than what you're comfortable with? Like, mm-hmm. what are you thinking of pricing this project? Okay, I challenge you to like make that you know $997 higher, five hundred dollars higher. And for the most part, they will book those prices that they wouldn't have said otherwise, which is really, really fun for me as a mentor. But like, it's also exactly what I did. And I feel like I left a ton of money on the table in the very beginning, for sure.
1: I think we all do. That's something that I wish I had learned in school is the art of negotiation too. Oh, yes. Well, in the advertising school that I went to, they kind of funneled everybody into ad agencies. So They never really talked about starting your own business at all. It was like, you're going to go work for Wyden & Kennedy. You're going to go work for 72 & Sunny. uh, No questions asked. And now, even still, they should have had some sort of conversation about negotiating even your wage of like, how much are you getting paid salary? Because that type of conversation, even though that doesn't like one for one relate to pricing as a business owner, it still relates because you're learning how to talk money and be comfortable with it, which is something that majority of us are not comfortable with when you start running your own business.
0: Yes, exactly. I have a book recommendation for anyone interested in learning more about negotiation. Um, It's called Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. The subtitle is negotiating as if your life depended on it. Um, And he's like a professional negotiator, I think, for like the FBI or the CIA or something. And like he, well, maybe, maybe not because like you can't like, well, he's not actively <laughs> like undercover, but like he ended up writing a book about it. So he's a professional negotiator and he talks about negotiating just like in everyday life, like with your landlord, negotiating with your spouse, negotiating with your kids. Like it was such a like real life application of these really cool and interesting negotiation techniques. And there's a lot that's very, very like appropriate for sales conversations within the type of business that we do. So yeah, it's uh, never split the difference. Look it up. Loved it. I listened to it on Audible.
1: That's amazing. I also have a um, resource. It's Chris Doe from the future. And I just tried to look it up, but I can't exactly find it. There is a video where he talks about, it's like just effing pay me. (laughs) It's funny. And it's so like straight up about just getting your clients to pay you. And pay what you're worth and just paying that invoice because it doesn't happen sometimes and we aren't taught what to do with it.
0: Yeah. Oh, so good. Yeah. I love Christo and all of his, he has great content around value-based pricing too. There's a couple podcast episodes that I'll have to go unearth earth for you guys. If you're like, what is this? Like, what are you guys talking about? It's, I feel like a really good like introduction to like, how can you start using some of those principles on sales calls and when talking with potential clients about your services. But yeah, I feel like another thing that I just really didn't learn anything about in college and like maybe this is just a college thing that no one learns about this in college is like taxes and finance unless oh, you're like I an wish. accounting major. Like I – there was a lot that I – like an embarrassing amount of stuff that I didn't know and I feel like that I'm still like learning and like
1: understanding about. Well, let's be fair. They make the text, the whole system like really complicated for a reason.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I I agree with that for sure. Like I have used a bookkeeper. I have never done my taxes on my own because I always had a sole proprietorship business. I, I mean, I'm an LLC now, but like I was like, I don't even want to touch this. And so I just hired a tax professional and she's been with me since the beginning. Shout out to Dory. She's amazing. She helped save me a lot of money. And so I feel like that's one of the number one things I recommend people outsourcing um if you're not ready to hire a designer or a VA or like a PM or anything like outsource either bookkeeping or just your taxes because like she I feel like helped educate me on like these are the different categories of like deductions and like navigating a schedule C um which is like your profit and loss statement when you fill out your taxes at least as a sole proprietorship like what can you and can't you like deduct like uh like meals and stuff? I didn't realize like I thought those were 100% deductible and they were in 2021 because of COVID. They actually made them 100% deductible like business meals and like coffees and stuff. I just learned that they're only 50% deductible. So Ugh. I'm like, wait. I, and I need don't stop. quote me on that. <laughs> I'm not a tax professional. I'm like, okay, those Starbucks runs that I am working at Starbucks, like that is a deductible. You can eat while you're working and you can deduct that. But I was like, oh, interesting. Just like so, so cool. So find some resources and we'll share a couple of Instagram accounts that we really like around like – Small business finance, like even understanding the difference between gross and net income, Mm -hmm. which is like I feel like kind of a basic thing to understand. Like I didn't even know that when I started. So, literally just learned from her. And uh, another resource I'll throw out there is the book Profit First. I definitely jumped on the Profit First bandwagon like kind of late. And so, this is like A lot of you probably already read it, but like it really changed the way that I looked at my business's finances. And that book was what started me on the path to, I mean, I had already become an LLC, but thinking about myself as an employee of my business rather than like, oh, I just get to keep all the money that my business makes. And we'll talk about this in our super secret show at the end, but yeah. Did you learn any of this stuff? No, (laughs) none of this
1: stuff. And like you said, I feel like I'm still constantly learning it because I just completed my first official year as a business owner. I haven't filed my taxes yet. I know it's March and we're getting there. You have 15 more days. (laughs) 15 more days. um, (laughs) Yes, I am hiring somebody to do them for this year because half of the year I was a sole proprietor and half the year I was LLC. So it needs to yeah, be messy. It's yeah, very messy. It's hard. And I have some times when I worked with agencies, and so they paid me on their payroll. And I have like there's just it's a lot.
0: You're drowning in like W9s and 1099. Yes, and- I literally
1: yeah. have like <laughs> at least five or six W9s that came to me, and I'm just like, oh. But we probably but, I'm
0: probably saying the wrong like title for that document. I think it's you guys W-9 know what I mean. Or
1: W4. No W4 is W2. Official w2 is like your employee statement or the 1099 is the um independent contractor
0: that's the independent contractor one that we sent to our independent contractors
1: yeah i feel like it's complicated and at the same time like the irs isn't gonna like dock you for 200 dollars off because they don't look that low and that's not to say like you guys just cheat the system but like yeah if you make a mistake chances are you're gonna be okay you're not going to go to jail yeah. for making a tiny mistake.
0: Hire a tax professional. Yes. <laughs> the worst thing that will happen is that you get audited and then they, like, charge you a fine. Yeah, and then and you, you pay, pay it, it and fine. then
1: it's okay. But that's yeah. another thing I didn't learn is, like, uh, how much to save and how much to, yeah. like, keep in – yeah, to keep in your account for safekeeping. And, I mean, there's and like, so- just how
0: much you have to owe in taxes as a, as a freelancer. Like, my Goodness sakes, like it, I was shocked. One of my, I think it was my second year in business. I had the largest tax liability that I'm not even going to say on air because it is so embarrassingly high. And thank God I had the cash in my business oh account my to pay it. But it was a, and I got fined for not paying yeah. estimated taxes on time. Like it was a just, it was a not good situation if you catch my drift. So that was where I was like, help.
1: (laughs) At least you had that to be able to pay because there are a lot of people who work paycheck to paycheck and we still don't.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so like, thank goodness I like lived beneath the amount of money that I was bringing in because I was expecting a tax liability at the end of the year. I was not expecting it to be that high. I mean, that's of course like a great, I guess, quote unquote problem to have because like I was profitable that year and I brought in a lot of money and it was wonderful. But like who I and and that goes into pricing too. like it, you start to realize, especially once you start getting really, really comfortable with your finances and with taxes that like you cannot survive off of really, really, really low pricing, especially if you have other team members mm-hmm. like it's just not possible because like all these little pieces get taken out. Tax gets taken out, which is really high. And then you're left with something that just doesn't feel worth it for the amount of work that you're putting in. So, yes. oh, that's my soapbox rant about taxes.
1: I think oftentimes we say, like, live or operate your business as if you've been in business for like 10 years, because that's yeah. what you need to in order to stay afloat, especially in this economy. It's wild out there. Mm. But there are so many things that you end up just learning as you go. And I wish that I could tell you guys all of these courses to like take and get ahead of it. But sometimes you just kind of have to be in it. Another thing that I wish that I had learned is just the even the client communication portion. You're not yeah. taught any of that. And it really does come from having hard experiences. I was just telling Jen about one that I had last week. And it just is really tough. And we're here to talk about it with you guys if you want to share with us. But that's something that you aren't gonna learn in any course or in college. Uh, it is something you learn through just being thrown into it,
0: yeah, a hundred percent. like I feel like every single project I walk away with another like project management or communication related thing that I learn from that project and from working with that client. Um, I was actually just talking on Boxer with one of my one to one designer mentorship students, and she was asking me like. She told me about what happened on a discovery call and she's like, did you see any red flags? Like, I'm a little concerned that they said this. And I'm like, no, actually, I've heard that like a, a million times. The the particular client she was talking about was concerned that like her current logo – like she had already paid for a logo, but she didn't love it, but she didn't want to like not use it because she paid for it. I was like, oh, that's sunk cost bias. Like you can, she's, you can prime her for like working with you and like, you know, so we chatted through that, but like th- you just don't know what's normal before you have those years not even years like cl- a couple client projects under your belt you know and like even now mm-hmm. like i get surprised all the time with them like whoa that's a new one that's new feedback i have never heard before i had a client say um that a design that i created looked too like a hotel and i was like ha huh, that's interesting i don't think i've ever heard that one before so i mean it, the project ended out great and she was just trying to give specific feedback and what I realized is she was saying that it looked too art deco but Mm. she didn't have the words to say like art deco she's like it looks like a hotel looks like a hotel I was like wait what are you talking about so I feel like this is just another like trial by fire type of situation maybe we need to make a course about client communication I don't know if it's even something that's worth it to like learn you just have to do it you just have to go through it which sucks but
1: yeah it is hard Another thing before we wrap up that I wanted to share was like write-offs. I don't know, like we talked a little bit about it, but it just reminded me of the Shit's Creep episode where he's like, it's a write-off. What do you mean it's a write-off? It's just like the government pays you back. Have you watched
0: <laughs> No, but that's really funny because I feel like I might have thought that in the very beginning
1: too. Like everything's like- a write-off. <laughs> the government will just pay me back for anything. He's like buying like face creams. He's like, I'm the face of my company.
0: we'll have to like grab that youtube video or something and put it in the in the groove because that is way too real um especially with like oh like dinners and stuff like that yeah i actually recently learned that i can't just write off clothes that i buy for my like brand photo shoots because technically you can wear the clothes not like in, in business use and stuff there's like all these little intricacies that like let a professional guide you or I'm sure there's free resources from small business accountants out there like freebies and stuff you can learn this stuff from. But like I was, I think, and Esther too, we were woefully unprepared for all of those types of things. So if you're feeling lost in the sauce right now about any of this stuff, like don't worry because you're not alone.
1: Either we've been there or we're going through it. Or
0: I still don't know the intricacies of yes. what makes an S corp an S corp or whatever.
1: Honestly, <laughs> I don't either. I've had questions of that. I'm like, should I should I be an S corp or a C corp or an LLC? You want to be or an S corp proprietor.
0: You want to be an LLC S corp. Yeah. That's what I recommend for anyone who's in our situation where you are probably the only shareholder and you own 100 percent of the business. Most oftentimes, as well. I don't know if it cares about employees but we'll do a whole thing on this yeah there's a lot there's a lot and I'm not a pro so oh my gosh I feel like there's so much more we could talk about too but like I feel like just to like wrap up all of our thoughts is that like there were so many wonderful amazing things that we learned in school if I could go back I would do it all over again the same way but also like there are so many things that like that you can learn so cheaply through Skillshare or like Mm -hmm. very low cost courses. So if you have a degree and you loved it, that's amazing. If you don't have a degree and you're like, there's no way I can afford that, like don't despair because I just really feel like whatever way you approach design, as long as you – hone your skills and you work on personal projects and you put work out there that you're proud of at that moment, then like you will build upon that. Like you don't have to have the portfolio of a designer that's been doing this for 10 years when you're first starting. Like maybe two or three really good pieces will get you there. Same with all the knowledge stuff. Like you don't need to know what the heck an LLC is when you first start out. Like you're a sole proprietor, like you'll be fine. Learn it as you go. Hopefully yeah. this episode was
1: helpful. Don't stress yourself out at the very beginning.
0: Yeah, just like take it day by day. I feel like if I could go back, that's definitely a big piece of advice that I would tell myself when I was feeling just really confused and like. Just undereducated around like what it meant to be a quote unquote business owner. Like that title was really hard for me to reconcile with, and I called myself a freelancer for a long time because I was just really scared of it. Like you don't have to have it all figured out. There's actually, we'll let you in on a little secret. There's no one who has it all figured out at every level. People are feeling like they don't belong and they don't know, like because you know you you get to six figures and then you're like. Okay. Well, what next? Now I'm working on multiple six figures, and then someone, not me, is at you know a million dollars plus, plus. and then there's like all these new problems and like new things to deal with. So we're all just like kind of flying by the seat of our pants. If I can go ahead and speak for everyone in the small business space, and we're all figuring it out as we go. So there you go. That's
1: the stuff we don't talk about on Instagram. Bam. Yes. There we go. There's a lot more. If you have questions, <laughs> let us know. But yeah, this has been what design school did and did not teach us. Yes, I love (laughs) it. Okay, inbox question
0: time. Maria Kreider asks, does anyone else neglect their brand as they are too busy working on everyone else? I'm just seeing your little like
1: answer. <laughs> I wrote a note in our little outline. I said, uh, yeah. Oh, well. Because I feel like it's <laughs> so easy to just kind of neglect. I mean, Jen and I were talking about this before we recorded too, of like, we've not been doing much on social. Like we haven't been doing, I, I haven't been doing much marketing at all. I haven't been like, uh, it's exhausting. Cause yeah, you're working for your clients and that's where you're getting the money. I don't get money for like making my own business stuff so I neglect myself so much and I know that's not good I know like I used to have a day set aside like every week to actually work on my own business stuff and that's gotten pushed to the side with like other responsibilities and life and that's okay too just because there's different seasons but I totally do that all the time yeah
0: can we normalize that? Can we just normalize that right now? Yeah. That like client work comes before your own business? I feel like that's a super unpopular opinion, but like it's reality. Okay. Like it is so real. Like we're not saying don't ever like market yourself because you do need to be continuing to put time and resources into marketing even in busy seasons so that you don't have this like cycle of feast and famine. But like at the same time, like there's only so many hours in a day, and there's also so many hours that you have decided to dedicate to your business. And like as I said, there's other like life responsibilities that pop up. Like there's other like I haven't posted on my Instagram feed. Honestly, probably in a couple of weeks, if not a month. And like I'm letting that go and I'm okay with that. Like I feel like me a year ago would be like, oh like I feel so guilty. Like I feel like I should like people are gonna see. But like I'm getting inquiries where people are like, oh, like the reason I reached out was because I saw your like beautiful work on your Instagram. I'm like, you know what? It doesn't need to be like recent, <laughs> you
1: know? Yeah, I think that as also new designers, I felt this when I first started my business was like, oh, I need to be on top of everything. I need to be posting every single place all the time, three times a week. And like, that's how people are going to see me. I need to like make sure everything is on top, like I'm on top of it so people can see me as consistent. But at the end of the day, like you're going to get clients and it's more about the mindset of welcoming things in rather than feeling like you have to do everything because that's where the burnout comes and yeah like you said we're normalizing it neglecting your brand for your own mental health and for your client's wellness too it's totally okay
0: yeah I love that and I think another thing that I'll just kind of wrap up with is I was actually talking with a client of mine who is also a mom she has a bunch of little kiddos she's a coach she was saying that she takes like these like work vacations where she sets aside, like, two days. She, like, goes to her sister's house or something. Her husband stays with the kids. Those are, like, the two days or one day a month where she does all of the work that she needs to do for her business that – those two days. So she does all of her content creation. She batches, like, all of her content for newsletters and social and all of that. She does, like, work on, like, her – like, like we did, I did brand identity for her. So she was like working on that, you know, like filling out the questionnaire for that and like catching up on emails, invoicing, like setting up stuff with her team. And I love that because that just opened up the rest of her month to fully focus on her coaching clients. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I kind of want to adopt that a little bit, especially now that I've moved back with family where I actually can leave my baby for a full day. I think batching is going to be kind of the way that I move forward because I literally just cannot create content on days where I'm doing client work.
1: I just can't do it. I just get yeah. creatively burned out. There's not enough time in the day to do everything that we want to do, and that's just life. Ain't that the truth? Yeah. So Not to be
0: depressing, but <laughs> <laughs> yes, Maria, um, let us know what your thoughts are about this. We'll tag you in our little episode announcement on Facebook. But hopefully that was, if not helpful, permission giving for you. Yes. Awesome. All right. Well, we'll see you guys next Tuesday. Remember, if you are a $10 patron, you have an invite to our super secret post show show where we're going to be talking about paying ourselves all things salary and be like business structure we dipped into that a little bit in our conversation today but really excited to talk about that with Esther so stay on all right bye guys bye we hope you enjoy today's conversation subscribe wherever you're listening to make sure you don't miss an episode and we'd be forever grateful if you left us a review on apple podcasts We bet you got designer friends who'd enjoy it too. So share it with them.
1: If you'd like to submit an inbox question for us to answer on air or want to get in contact with us directly, email us at inbox at betterbranddesigner.com. If you love these conversations between
0: designer friends and would like to support us, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash
1: betterpodcast. Our Facebook community is one of the most positive, supportive, and fun groups we've ever been a part of. We'd love for you to join us. So search for Better, the Brand Designer Podcast on Facebook.
0: And visit us online at betterbranddesigner.com to learn more about our podcast and snag major discounts on our favorite resources.
1: Special thank you to our producer, John, from Wayfair Recording Co. See you guys again next week.